Welcome to the Education in Isolation podcast with me, Angela Connell, where we will explore the challenges of businesses moving from a face-to-face training mode to an online training environment. Many businesses have been caught off guard by the COVID-19 pandemic, but the situation is proving to be a catalyst for new possibilities and opportunities for the training industry. Let me and my guests help you make the most of these opportunities and to navigate the transition so that you and your organisation come out stronger and more resilient than when you went in. Education is the answer and you are the leader. Hi, and welcome to Education in Isolation podcast. In today's interview, we're going to be having a chat with Bruno. Bruno manages and uh, owns a uh, operation system company. So it's a learning management system. He was just explaining to me a few things and we're going to learn a lot more about that today. And uh, also it can bring in online training within that system. So hi, Bruno. How are you? Hi, Angela, and hi, listeners. So who are you and what do you do? I'm the managing director of of Blue Jam Software. We've been around for 30 years, and in that time, we've spent probably the last 10 years, I guess, working in the learning, education, and, and particularly the VET sector. So BlueGem is really an application development house. We develop uh, software for business applications. And in this recent period, when I say recent, I'm talking about the last 10 years, in fact, we've uh, been developing primarily online and face-to-face learning management systems. The uh, introduction that we had into this field came from a client who was in the oil and gas industry and was uh, responding to a question that was put to them by one of their customers in Canada. And this particular scenario was that they wanted to be able to capture the knowledge of people who, who were in the industry and were in fact contractors. So they they have a lot of contractors in the oil and gas industry. And what was happening was that these people would come in, they do a lot of projects. As a result of that, there would be a lot of lessons learned. Um, Those lessons would be learned for them personally, and then they'd move on to the next contract and take all that knowledge with them. So the predominant uh, kind of idea of this, this application was that it would allow the company to capture the knowledge from these contract services. So we built that. as a knowledge management system then. A knowledge management system, exactly right. Um, So during that period, we thought, well, how do we translate this to the Australian environment uh, and learning and education rather than just knowledge capture or... or, uh, not just because it, it actually was quite a comprehensive system. Um, and uh, so that's when I started looking into the VAT sector and learning about the sector, uh, what it is, what its requirements are, how it manages students and so forth. And it would have been probably 2008 when we decided to 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 enter the uh, uh, an R&D phase, if you like, which was migrating which, which what was really a knowledge capture system 
into uh, a student management system. Back then it was just a student management system. And as we became more interested in that, uh, we at the same time, both Lynn and I uh, were doing online learning as far back as that. And we thought, well, wouldn't it be good if we could integrate our online learning kind of knowledge and what we've learned about online learning into, into this product? And that's where we decided, well, hey, this is more than a student management system. Let's call it a training management system in that it includes student management and learning management. So that's, that's where the concept came from. And that's, that's how we got started. Yeah, my background is that um, I spent uh, nine years in, in the Royal Navy back in the 70s, in fact, and uh, I, my, my role back then was uh, a technical role in that I looked after radar and telecommunication systems, got very interested in electronics. After I completed the Navy, I did my degree in electronic engineering. That even back then, it's more so now, but even back then, uh, there was a lot of uh, computing and, and digital kind of electronics involved. So I got com interested in computing and software in, the, in, that, in that way. Um, as time went on, more and more stuff was done by computers and, and online systems. So that meant that the, 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 the interest and the knowledge or the, uh, the, the need in the industry was to, to learn more about uh, computing and software. So that's where that, that, that background comes in. Um, I was uh, pretty heavily involved in, in project management and, and design and development, research and development, in fact, for a lot of companies in the UK um, and uh, commissioned to do work in, actually from Australia, I was commissioned to do work in, uh, in, in Canada. Uh, I've kind of like mentioned the Canadian experience, which was this knowledge capture thing. But also we were into paging systems and a lot of communication systems. So that took me into uh, Southeast Asia, spent a lot of time with uh, um, LG, for instance, in, in Korea, South Korea. So yeah, a, a lot of experience uh, around the world in, in those sort of technologies. Uh, Finland, where we were implementing trunking systems so yeah all of that all of that background kind of led to where we are today which was to look at uh, how training and education is delivered how it's managed and also the the various technologies that sit around it and so your market now is not only registered training organizations you're stating corporate training as well that's right yeah, yeah. that's right yeah, we, we've, uh, we've found that um, the, the background, not only of myself, but other team members, um, is, is that corporate background. They come from things like IT positions within large organizations. And as part of that, they've learned a lot of uh, system administration and, and so forth and, and how to set up uh, business systems within the organization. So between us, we have got um, a significant amount of that, that kind of uh, corporate knowledge. Um, and we thought it's, uh, you know, in order to look at the, the area where we can service the market, 
putting together that training knowledge into the corporate environment, in other words, uh, workforce planning and development, um, seemed to be a, 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 good, a good fit for our background and also the, um, the knowledge that we bring to that industry. Yeah. That's where it came from. Yeah, yeah, very good. So you have a wide variety of experience there, not just with uh, private RTOs, it's also um, with the corporate market. So your right. system would be adjusted to um, those different areas. That's right, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. So what has been your biggest challenge to your business and I would also like you to discuss uh, with your clients. So if we look at the RTOs and we also look at the corporate sector since COVID-19. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, look, the, the, immediate, um, the, the immediate reaction, I guess, to COVID was the same thing we all felt. Hey, we're going to have to, uh, you know, lay off staff. We're going to have to cut back, reduce costs, et cetera, et cetera. We were talking to our clients at the same time. Excuse me talking to our clients at the same time and realized that they were in the same position. Um, and yeah, the, uh, many of our clients, in fact, did go uh, and close, close shop. <coughs> Sorry. Oh dear. Yep. Um, so yeah, that, that was uh, quite uh, an eye opener for us. So were they the RTOs or the um, corporates or both? <laughs> um, mostly RTOs, but also one one corporate. We had a, a, a shipping company, in fact, that um, that provides uh, training for ships captains and uh, and positioning. What they call it, um, dynamic positioning courses. They um, unfortunately had to had to shut shop because uh, the COVID meant that there was no shipping. There was no need for their business and uh, they weren't getting any uh, any forward projected business either. So, yeah, uh, and, and that was symptomatic of, of a few people. So we've definitely seen a downturn and contraction in the market generally. Um, so, yeah, I, I guess our business is, as, as it is with, with all of us really, is affected directly by what our clients do and if, if they're uh, they're shutting shop then that means that uh, our business is contracting as well we we don't we don't see that uh we're going to go out of business i i think the the future is looking quite healthy for us mm -hmm. um and despite losing a few clients we've had a, a lot of interest recently so there seems to have been a change of focus if i'm honest um whereas before our clients were asking us questions about how to do face-to-face -face type training and, and technologies better. Now they're asking about how do we move into uh, the online space? How do we em embrace uh, virtual classroom technology into our syllabus? And also how do we convert a lot of our content to online? Um, and, you know, the fact that we've had these uh, on capabilities for many years um, without I have a interest particularly in the RTO sector um, the uh, the interest now is there to uh, to to convert a lot of face-to-face -face training into into online so we're, we're, we're servicing a lot of those type of inquiries now 
And so what was the biggest problem or hurdle that they were ch challenged with, with uh, transitioning from face-to-face -to, -face to online? Yeah, the fact that uh, preparation, really, uh, there was such a expectation that the face-to-face -face environment would continue forever and why should we ever bother going online? So getting the content ready was, was a huge um, was a huge obstacle and and i guess still is so that 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 was one obstacle the other the other was that uh the simple transition i guess is going to video conferencing um that believe it or not even though it requires a good camera and um you know some differences in the way you set things up uh the, how you actually engage with your students, how you invite your students to uh, to, to classes is, is different, obviously. Um, <clears throat> but apart from those differences, moving from a from a face to face environment to a, a virtual classroom environment is uh, is relatively easy compared to taking all of your content and converting it into online content in SCORM packages, for example. So our first, uh, our first challenge was really to, to look at, well, how do we provide um, tools to help people make that transition? And really the, the challenge for them is about content. So uh, helping is by really looking at, well, what material do you have? And let's look at the priority of your courses. What do you want to put online first? Because you can't put everything online all at once. Um, and looking at ways to to uh, convert that content using things like uh, Articulate uh, 360 and other other tools to help convert that that content into online um, consumable Just, content. And were they doing like a combination of live uh, feeds, like uh, Zoom webinars or and things like that, and then recording? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, a couple of uh, clients have reported some some good results from that. In fact, uh, they 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 had very quickly recognised that uh, hey, in order to survive, we're going to have to uh, embrace video conferencing mm -hmm. at the very least. You know, while we're thinking about how to transition our content to complete online courses, um, and what they were able to do was set up uh, set up cameras, video their their trainers in a classroom environment and invite their, their, their students to, uh, to video conferencing. So whereas a couple of weeks ago, they would have been doing pure video conferencing, um, now they're doing both. So they've got a classroom set up with, uh, with live students in there and also uh, cameras set up so that people can join the classes through the live video conferencing. Yeah, live stream, yeah. Yeah. Um, the the challenge is, however, uh, assessments. The, you know, you can you can do a lot of assessments through quizzes and online uh, essay style questions, free text questions, for, for example, that can be submitted. Workbooks can be submitted and so forth. Uh, but so much of our assessment is, uh, or not our assessment, but our clients' assessment is about working with specialized equipment in specialized environment. So for them, it's, it's about um, workforce, uh, sorry, not workforce, but, but more um, 
workplace assessment um, and also being able to, to show videos of working on real live equipment, the electrical industry, for instance. Um, so being able to use expensive equipment that you could are very unlikely to have at access home. to at home. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, so that type of assessment is is still very much a challenge and and I don't think there are any quick answers to that. We have looked at um, at uh, simulation, so things like uh, a lot of the electrical equipment, like uh, PLCs, for instance. Um, you can simulate those in the same way that uh, you know pilots do a lot of their assessment in flight simulators. Um, and obviously, because simulators are software, then that means that they can be managed remotely as well. Um, but uh, in order for the industries that we're working with to gear up for those types of simulators, we're talking about many, many years into the future. So mm. it's not a, it's not something that's going to happen tomorrow. Yeah, within COVID nineteen era. That's right. Mm, mm. And so, you've talked about a few hurdles that you've uh, faced and a few hurdles that your clients have faced how how much time did it take you to overcome them and what was it that you implemented um i can't say that any of the strategies that we employed as a as a consequence of covid-19 have been implemented <laughs> in quotes <laughs> uh, per se it's kind of like a work in progress um so some of the things that we've we've looked at for example is what's important to uh, an RTO if they have a large percentage of their, their, their clients or their students um, attending via uh, a video conferencing tool. Well, it seemed to us that probably one of the most important areas is the, the student portal, being able to give them access to their course progress, to their, their finances, in other words, being able to pay their bills and see what their invoices are, um, being able to access their resources, uh, all, all of that stuff uh, meant that um, we already have a student portal, but the COVID-19 experience tells us that this student portal uh, needs to be, um, you know, improved and, and it needs to have more tools available. Uh, so that students who attend online can simultaneously work with their portal. Um, for example, let's say that uh, a student portal environment involves a conference call with, uh, with, with a trainer, for instance, or a mentor. Uh, there's screen sharing involved in that. So I need to show my results, my latest work that I've done on assignments and so forth. By having a student portal, what they can do is pull up all of that information and they can screen share that with their mentor or their, or their, um, or their trainer or assessor. Um, so the student portal becomes like, a, yeah, it is in fact a, literally a doorway um, to the access that they would have if they were in that sort of classroom, classroom. environment or had physical contact with uh, the, the training staff. And so did yeah. you add that to the portal then that they could do live 
with their trainers. Um, yeah, that's right. Yes, that that uh, that is there. That the in fact, we we already had uh, eye chat facilities that uh, that students and trainers could could use to engage with. We've had workflows that allow online discussions between uh, trainers and and students. What we've done really, I suppose, is improve all of those tools to make them, how would you say, uh, more more relevant to this uh, to this online and video conferencing type environment that we're looking at now. So it's more an, uh, an improvement, an improved por student portal, as opposed to a, a new student portal or, you know, substantially new tools. Okay, and so what has yeah. the um, outcome been for your your clients who are using these systems. Um, they were struggling before uh, with the ones that did continue. What what was the outcomes that they achieved? It's uh, again, that's that's still a work in progress because as, as I mentioned earlier, it takes a while to transition at what has been a face-to-face -face course with very, very little kind of intention or, or, or plans to put it online, it takes quite a while to actually convert that to a meaningful online online course. So the transition process that most of our clients have taken up is, well, let's start with video conferencing because at least that enables us to continue delivering our face-to-face -face courses to, uh, to our clients. Um, yeah, and as far as that goes, yes, yeah, very positive. And the... Uh, results they're getting is that uh, there's this student uptake court you know students can now attend those courses which they wouldn't have been able to otherwise that's been positive since we have got some some metrics and results to show that um, the the online courses is still early days uh, because we, we haven't had enough clients who've transitioned over. to online courses yet yeah. yeah to 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 really know what the results are so have they mainly just been doing but the live? Way, the interest is very high. Yeah, yeah. That's right, yeah. So yeah, mainly I'm doing live, that. recording mm. those, and then mm. um, are they recording those, I'm assuming? Yes, absolutely, yeah. yeah. And then yeah. getting ready. So they're, they're putting those into, uh, and that's another advantage of having a student portal is that uh, students can access those uh, those recordings. So yeah, I couldn't attend the last session because what, whatever, whatever. Mm. Um, so I can go Internet in and look work. at the yeah, I can go into the the the, uh, the video gallery and uh, and pull down that the, that class from that particular event. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, you know, it's just like uh, it's it's great to see because um, it, what we can see is a lot of our customers are turning into Netflix providers. <laughs> um, in that, <laughs> hey, you know, here's the stuff that you can do online. But by the way, you can go into this gallery and download this one and, and watch that episode and so forth. So, so I think it's been really good. That that whole mindset is is new, but it, it seems to uh, seems to be working very well. Yeah, yeah. So, what has been your biggest achievement going through all of this? Yeah, I I think. I was pleased with the way we were able to respond. Um, you know, a lot of very anxious clients with, you know, a real intent and a very urgent intent, if you like, 
to uh, to go online in some form, uh, whether it's uh, you know live streaming or uh, or recorded videos or online content. Um, but uh, I think our response to that has been very good, and the fact that we've been able to encapsulate all of that into into portals, not just student portal, but also trainer portals, because remembering that trainers are in the same boat in, in this environment. Um, they need to be able to see their trainers. They need to be able to uh, uh, assess them online, um, respond to comments that, uh, that come through. I guess the, the, what, what, it's, what it's done for us is confirmed what, you know, Blue Gem as a, as a technology company has been saying for a long time, and that is that you do need this kind of blended environment that's integrated. Um, so, to, so that you can do online assessments, face-to-face -face assessments, and you can modularize them into, in, into a, a blended course so that you can provide all of those elements and, and provide the flexibility for those students. So, so yeah, I think that that has been uh, an achievement for us, um, recognizing that that, uh, that that trend that we've been following for, for many years is, is, is now starting to uh, bear fruit and, and have that, that kind of value. Yeah, I think a lot of people were uh, putting online learning in the, on the back burner. It wasn't yeah. a high priority. Yeah. And what we've seen uh, through Vivacity is it's very much become the priority because yeah. otherwise they w weren't going to have a business to operate. Um, That's right. And mm. uh, it's interesting to hear that you you had a few um, RTOs who actually shut up shop. Um, yeah. do, do you know why that would have been? Did they? Well, they had made the decision, to be honest with you, uh, before the announcement of uh, the JobKeeper subsidy um, and the, the basically the, the subsidies in general. Um, and by that point, they had laid off staff and decided, uh, hey, this is all going to be too difficult. Um, and it, I guess uh, even when the JobKeeper allowance came back in, it was probably too difficult to, to, to rev up again. Um, because they had made the decision too early, I, I think. Um, but in hindsight, if they had if they had waited for that to happen, it might be a different story. And I think uh, not only with the training industry, but with many small businesses, uh, it takes something like this for them to go right. I've had enough. I I don't want to do this anymore. And yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So mm. it, it's it's weeding out the wheat from the shaft and. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. Un unfortunately, um, I think that's that's where it may be. Yeah. So, but on the flip side, I mean, there there, there has been a lot of inquiries uh, recently mm -hmm. uh, from RTOs who have exactly that problem. How do I get online? How do I convert my content to an online environment? Uh, what what are these? Tell me about an LMS. How do I use it? How does it work? Um, so those sort of questions have been uh, flowing quite freely recently. In fact, I released a set of blogs last night that deal with those those topics. Um, so they they really are about you know how to how to get on board with the online environment and what technologies are available and how to adopt them. 
Um, so, so yeah, it's it's an area that uh, that like you, you know, we we've we've been thrust into. Um, well, it's like the, the the technology or the platform has always been there, but the demand for it has not. And mm. now suddenly the demand has just uh, you know grown enormously. So I guess that that demand has has offset the uh, the loss of of clients who, who have decided not to proceed, you know, beyond the COVID-19 experience. And, and the th people who are now inquiring, do you think they had their head in the sand before and then have had this realisation, this is what I'm feeling, is this realisation yeah, is yeah, not going to go yeah. away? That's right. That's right. Exactly. Yeah. And I think we're all coming to the same realisation at the same time. Yeah. Um, but there also seem to be uh, a lot of new inquiries, believe it or not. Mm. People who had been thinking about becoming RTOs uh, and had been interested in the online space, but were, I suppose, to some extent daunted by the fact that the industry was largely face-to-face. -face. Um, they're now seeing that there is an opportunity for those, um, you know, kind of online specialists. Mm. Uh, yeah, we actually have uh, had uh, quite a few inquiries from people whose businesses uh, were affected by COVID-19. So they weren't RTOs, they had a company in a different area and they were thinking about setting up an RTO and now they've gone, okay, well, I've got nothing else to do, so I might as well do this RTO thing. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. right, yeah. Yeah, 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 and you find in in the uh, in the corporate uh, training environment as well. Mm. Um, you know, the, the the corporate training has always been LMS focused. They they have always seen the convenience and the value of of uh, running online courses. You know, get within their within within their their place because obviously a lot of what happens in a in a in, in a in, in, in many companies needs to be face-to-face -face, very practical um, but they have always recognized that there are theory components there are professional development components that uh, are best done online and that's the most efficient way to do it as far as a workforce planning and development point of view it works because people can um, can learn in their in their downtime like if they're shift workers for instance they can do their learning when they're off shift. Um, so, so, so that's always been a, a, a strong focus for, for corporate training. Um, but in the RTO sector, the private uh, FIFA, FIFA service, there has traditionally been a reluctance to the uptake of, of online learning. And as, as you say, we've, we're seeing that turn around very dramatically right now. Mm. And, you know, as what i see the training industry will and the event industry will never be the same again mm -hmm. uh, there there will be uh, people who will expect to be able to access their training online access yeah. events online uh, and the the big thing that we've realized as well is this work-life balance where we're able to you know work from home be there for kids be there for other family members as well as instead of spending you know hours on the road traveling to work yes yeah, right. yeah yeah so yeah. and I th students are the same mm. they don't want to be traveling yeah. about yeah yeah we had a client who said um you know we were talking just chatting basically and um she said 
you know, I, I miss work. I, I, I kind of miss that kind of like um, community spirit that you get while, while you're at work. Um, and yeah, just miss being at work. Um, so I decided to go into the office yesterday because they were allowed to go back to work, but, or they had the choice they could work at home or go back to, to the office. So she decided to go back to the office and she said, you know, the first thing that hit me was the traffic. I had forgotten how bad the traffic was. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and, and, and that set the tone for the rest of her working day. And she said, yeah, yeah, this is, what, this is how it used to be. So yeah. that, that, uh, that desire for, for everybody, you know, to work from home is, uh, is, is, is prevalent now, I think. Mm, mm, um, and getting more balance as well. Yeah, yeah. That being able to, to, to spend more time with your family and and uh and organize that time the one downside we found though um because we've we've been remote for a long time we 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 were remote before uh covid came along uh, probably about uh 50 of our workforce um either works from home or works in different countries um so we've we've used uh microsoft teams quite prolifically as a tool for um for you know, team meetings for code evaluations and and what we call agile stand-up meetings and things like that. So that's been our kind of like tool of choice for for for, for running our, our kind of like um, divided office and and uh, remote environment. Um, and. Uh, and yeah, what 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 we found using using Teams is that uh, when you when you integrate Teams with the other business aspects, such as we've integrated it, we've integrated the whole office suite with our with our learning management system. Um, but when you've got that that level of integration and that fluid movement between one tool and another, um, so that you're signed into one place, single sign-on. And you can access all your tools in one place and fluidly move between them. You know, hey, you, you've actually got a great work environment. Mm. But what I was saying was the the one the one downside that we found of not having uh, a face to face environment is um, in the area of internships because we we offer internships as as part of our part of, part of our kind of like career development process. Um, and what you find is interns or, or young kind of junior graduates um, in the industry, particularly a software industry where there's a lot of learning, mm. you know, kind of real live learning taking mm -hmm. place all the time. Um, they, they have a lot of questions and the, the, the need to ask questions uh, frequently is best done in that in that face-to-face -face environment so when somebody taps you on the shoulder and say can you help me with this um, you can just walk over to their desk you can look at what they're doing and so forth that is all theoretically possible using teams you can share screens you can have chats and so forth and we do all of that um, but we found that uh, that's probably one area that was a little bit lacking by not having that that face-to-face -face environment mm. Yeah, yeah, and most probably still challenges ahead with with that. Like I, yeah. I thought it would be hard. We had two team members, new team members who started with us, and they were only with us for a month before COVID hit, yeah. and 
I thought it was going to be very difficult to be able to keep them engaged and, and help them with their training yeah. um, with with being in isolation. But we, we actually found the opposite. We actually have found that it's worked quite well. Yeah. Uh, there is lots of chats online, but we do Teams messaging as well. Yeah. Uh, we're sending each other, you know, um, memes and gifts and uh, we have a system called Taco where we can give kudos. Uh, yes, it's a, yes, a plug-in within yeah. Teams, yeah. Mm -hmm. And you can give kudos to another team member. And I, I found that that has been really good for okay. team engagement because mm. they're, they're actually recognising other team members. And I think that's <laughs> what happens when you're in an office. Um, you would actually get that. Uh, we even have team lunches together uh, virtually and teams drinks every Friday. So every Friday at 4.30, we stop and we have drinks together. Um, That's a great idea. I love yeah. 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 Um, so we have uh, Frock Up Friday <coughs> and, and Theme Thursday <laughs> where yeah. we, we get dressed up for the afternoon huddle. And, mm. yeah, it, it, does, it, it does keep their engagement. And I think that's been a big part of uh, transitioning face-to-face -face training to online yeah. is yeah. is that engagement. How do you maintain that engagement within your training? And I'm, I'm assuming that's a, a challenge that you're going to have within your systems moving forward. That's right. Mm. Yeah. 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 Um, that that's that that's absolutely correct. And, and look, we, we use Teams in that in that way too. We haven't used the QDOS idea. I, I think that's. Uh, that's a good tip. We'll, we'll definitely look into that. I think that's a great way of uh, engaging. And there's, there's rewards. So what they do is they give a taco uh, to someone. So you've got five tacos a day. And I've actually got rewards on there. So there's like a $50 drinks voucher. Uh, we will have movie vouchers or it could be, you know, pizza will be delivered to your home, uh, that sort of stuff. So you can use the, the points that you accumulate to purchase something with those rewards. So a bit like flybys rewards. We'll definitely look into that. Yeah, that sounds great. <laughs> so yeah. where, where do you see the training industry and your business supporting that in the next, you know, 12 months time? Look, I think it's a great fit. Um, the, uh, the training industry, to, let's be honest, has needed to move for quite some time. Yep, I, I think um, if if you compare what what they're doing in in corporate training yes. with, uh, mm. with 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 what uh, we've been doing in the vet sector with face to face training, um, there there has for for many years there's been this need to adopt and and uh, and, and move into let's call it the new world. Um, and look, there's plenty of new worlds still to happen. When we talk about, uh, uh, you know, 3D animation and uh, uh, augmented reality and bringing that into online learning, um, uh, VR, for example, virtual reality, mm. uh, these are all technologies that uh, are currently a little bit too expensive and too difficult, uh, not, not, not perhaps viable at this stage. But uh, where I was going with simulators earlier and talking about um, assessments, the, the natural move from, you know, face-to-face -face assessments is to use very real-life simulators. And we've seen some amazing simulators. Mm -hmm. 
that uh, you, you know you you actually feel as if you're doing the thing in real life when when you're working with them. Um, but but all of that is at the moment very expensive te technology and 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 quite futuristic still. Uh, but you know, long term, that's that's kind of like the future direction for for training and learning and even though it is been being done at the moment it's being done on a relatively small scale i think that'll become more more mainstream as time goes on um but uh, in in the immediate future the yeah the the bright future is converting content to uh to online delivery being able to engage with uh with with students through portals and and uh and video conferencing tools um being able to 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 do mentorship remotely and and that type of thing that's that's the near-term future and i think that's uh that that's very positive for the industry um if uh, if COVID has done anything um positive then it has been to to give us that 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 shake up that kick up the bum if you like to to get us moving in that direction because it's been needed and i think as demand rises for that um virtual reality and simulation software there will be more suppliers that will come in to address that and then yeah. i'm assuming prices will then That's come right. down yeah, yeah. Demand, yeah demand goes up and yeah the the uh, supply and, and therefore prices go down absolutely the same old scenario yeah um but the other the other side of the vet sector which i which i think needs serious overhaul is the whole um, vet miss uh, compliance reporting uh, side of things. Um, not, not that there's too much wrong with the reporting per se. I'm sure you'll have uh, very different opinions about that aspect of it. But from a technical aspect of it, the, 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 the method of, of uh, creating NAT files, which are basically text files, mm. and being able to, to pass them with a lot of secure or private student information included in them all of that has got seriously got to go That's, it's so antiquated it is <laughs> um and when when we look at uh, you know the new services like MyGovID and and the the new um m2m for usi and so forth uh the the way the direction we're moving in is using web service services to provide all of that the uh, event miss should have been reported using that type of technology years ago. Yeah, um, and it's uh, no, I agree. <laughs> that yeah. and quality indicators, uh, the quality yeah. quality indicator reporting. You know, yeah. people do it because it's a requirement of the standards, but it doesn't give you real time feedback that's actually going to help you improve your training yeah. products. Yep. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, but um, for me, the first thing, the first thing that. Uh, you know participants in the vet sector need to do is to get get a dashboard get kpis on that dashboard look at performance what's the thing that makes an rto great let's put those down as kpis let's track them and let's give visualizations of, of how we're performing against those so that whole uh, that whole idea of having dashboards not just uh, completion rates and results but also fi financials you know, how's, how's the revenue going for my business? And uh, what's, what's it cost me to run this course or that course? Being able to, to visualize all of that data 
is what I think is going to make the difference between high-performing RTOs versus the uh, the poorer-performing RTOs. Oh, I um, definitely agree. And net promoter mm -hmm. score is the other one uh, I, I highly recommend, which is uh, surveys that you send out uh, to your clients. It's mm -hmm. much better than quality indicators where they rank you out of 10. Yes. And yeah. then you actually identify, you know, uh, the next question is how could we improve that? result yeah. uh, it was the best thing that we implemented we implemented about two three years ago now mm. and what we've learned from that uh, we we have improved exponentially uh, mm. because we are actually getting feedback that is realistic to what we want most people see a survey and they think oh it's just too much work i don't want to do yeah. that yeah. whereas a net promoter score is essentially if they just answer that one question you've got mm. the data you need yeah, um, yeah. and i it's definitely believe in a dashboard as well with yeah. that because i think a lot of rtos they don't focus on the figures of mm. the break-evens and what they need to yeah. run their business yeah yeah yeah, and, uh, you know, how are we doing with our completion rates? We've enrolled, um, mm. you know, 500 uh, students or 1,000 students this year. And um, how many of them have actually completed successfully? How many have dropped out? Uh, how many didn't complete successfully? Um, and, you know, let's look at uh, those, those sort of things are the exactly the data that you, you know, we provide to a vet miss so that the government can report on this stuff. Mm. But we're not using the same data ourselves. That's correct. When I say, ah, oh, I'm talking as an RTO, we're not using the same data ourselves to actually perform or improve the performance in our business. And the big thing is actually identifying why mm. and then what needs to change in order to yeah. improve that process. Yeah. 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 Okay. So yeah um uh we're definitely on the same page with all of that i i think some of the things that we need to collect for the government is um i it's been there for a long time i understand the event is reporting and why they're keeping it consistent with the same data that we're collecting uh but it's those systems of how do we manage that data and and you know Nat, i agree with the nat files it, there it's you useless for an RTO to actually be able to use, um, mm. depending mm. on how the systems that they have is, is able to manipulate that data so that they can get reporting and dashboards. Yeah, and, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you know, from a technical point of view, we found that the, 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 the structure of the data um, as it's reported in NAT files is so um, obtuse and, and poor performing that you can't use it as your live data let's say you wanted your, your a list of your courses uh, this is a simple one but let's say you wanted a list of your courses um or the units that you you deliver uh in your in your student management system you could say okay well i have to report this this uh you know nat uh, nat 60 to the government which con contains all my units so why don't i use the same table um, to display all the units that I have in a particular program, for example. Um, <clears throat> the truth is, in that particular example, maybe that's a small example, but when you widen that out to the NAT 120, the NAT 130, and all the data that's accumulated there, you find that if you structured your tables in that way, 
for your student management system, they would run so slow. They would just not be, uh, they would not be viable. Mm, mm. Um, so, yeah, so what you end up having to do is create a, a, a high-performance um, data engine, if you like, and then take the data from that to convert it to the structure for the NAT files so that you can submit your, your Avetmus reports. Mm. Um, and that in itself, you know, at a, at a kind of designer's level is, is hugely inefficient. You should be able to use the one data source to do both. So in the future, I'm hoping we're going to have more systems where we'll be able to use that data mm. uh, to improve our practices. And, and watch this space. We've got the standards are being rewritten as we spoke, yeah. as we're speaking. And uh, it can be, uh, let's hope that the new standards that come out are going to, because they're also rewriting the um, quality indicator requirements and the uh training package requirements as well so it'll be interesting yeah. to see where we are in a year's time like mm -hmm. not only do mm -hmm. we have to deal with you know COVID-19 and social distancing um, at the moment it's that you know making sure you, you you keep that balance between you know compliance and business success and making sure that Absolutely. you're running those concurrently yeah. and any yeah. systems that you can put in place to automate that process I highly recommend um, Absolutely. The, the, so top, yeah. the top three problems that we've seen uh, the training industry have, one is compliance, uh, two is time, and three is money. Mm -hmm. yeah. uh, uh, it takes time to manage your compliance that then sucks up all that time out of your making money <laughs> side. Yeah. Yeah. So if even if you can just get automation in uh, for the compliance, yeah. Um, and automation in for saving time within your organisation, you're naturally yeah. going to make money. Yeah. Yeah. And Angela, it was interesting what you were saying about the um, uh, about the the KPIs versus the the survey method of of improving your 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 um, your your thing. When you look at things like um, Facebook, for example, the very simple tool of having a like there or a mm -hmm. heart. Um, is is feedback, you know, and it's so simple to do. The the big uh, the big problem people have with any of these forms, whether they're KPI driven or kind of like uh, survey driven, is the amount of work that you have to do to actually, or the resistance. Let's let's, let's not call it work because really, you know, filling in five stars on a on a single sheet is, is not really yeah. work. It's more oh really resistance. another survey. What's that going to yeah, do for exactly. me? Yeah. yeah. Whereas, you know, if, if you've got something simple that now you can say, yeah, I really like that content. So you've just done an, an online SCORM course, for example. And you, if you have the ability to like that or give it a, a rating out of, out of five, then that's instant feedback, you know, for, for, uh, for, for that course. Mm. Um, so all the work we do, if, if, if you, you know, think back, think of, of the, uh, the what, what do they call it? The um, employee employee survey form and the oh yeah, there's an EPS survey form. Yeah, there. the employer pr provider yeah, score. Yeah, yep. and and we wonder why people aren't going to fill in all that stuff. 
Mm. The, the only time they fill it in is when the trainer forces them to do it under, right. under, <laughs> un, under the, the barrel of a shotgun. Yeah. That's right. That's right. <laughs> you can't leave until you finish your survey. That's right. Um, or you won't get your certificate. Yeah, that's <laughs> it's right. the other one I hear. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, but uh, yeah, yeah. If you look look at compare that with something like LinkedIn or Facebook and the ability to just click a like thing to say, "Yep, that was good." Now what? Mm. Um, it makes it so easy uh, to to get valuable feedback for mm. for that type of uh, type of things. So yeah, totally agree with you on that one. <laughs> awesome. All right. Last question: How do you keep yourself motivated every day? Um, motivation for me is uh, has been about um, solving problems. That's uh, it's what I love doing, solving problems. And let's face it, we got a lot of those right now. So yes, we I'm do. probably more motivated than ever. <laughs> yeah, but, it certainly keeps you going. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I, I, I like helping people. I like uh, listening to, you know, the issues that that they have. Sitting down at sitting at a desk or over a coffee and saying, well, let's figure out how we can work this out and how we can get to a solution. Um, but uh, yeah, if, if you look at, uh, you know, as in your organization, you have um, BA skills and um, those, those, uh, those sort of skills, which are analysis and problem solving and putting solutions together. Yeah, for us, it's the same. Um, and, and that's my technical role. I mean, you know, my, my kind of like managerial role is managing director of, of Blue Gem Software, but my technical role is, is, is very much that business analyst role. Um, and yeah, so that's what keeps me motivated is, uh, is looking at challenges and coming up with better ways to, uh, to resolve problems, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I know uh, for me, it's very similar. Um, I keep motivated if I'm with my clients' results. Mm -hmm. So if I'm able to enable them uh, to move forward and, and come up with solutions that are going to help them within their business, then that motivates me um, each day. Well, thank you very much Absolutely. for... Uh, uh, attending our podcast it's been awesome having a chat to you i feel like uh, if someone was outside it was like they would be just listening in on our conversation i could talk tech all day because i love tech <laughs> <laughs> so uh yeah. yeah thank you very much and uh we look forward to catching up again with you soon thanks angela and yeah that that, that was a great session i i enjoyed um the chance to talk about those things and i and i think uh, the questions were, were really good they they kind of like uh drove the type of uh responses that i was keen to get out there to um to you know and it, if any of your kind of audience is is looking for those type of technical solutions or needs help really in that transitioning process then very much very much happy to uh, to work with them on that yeah yeah and we'll have your details also with the podcast uh so they'll be able to get in contact with you and you can have a look at uh, bluegem.com.au uh, which has a range of information on there for both the corporate and the rto and international student sector so you can definitely go grab some information there uh, yeah. thank you very much thanks angela have a great day 
You've been listening to the Education in Isolation podcast with me, Angela Connell. Do you know someone else who could benefit from learning about opportunities and strategies to provide training online? Please take a moment to share this and other episodes via your podcast app, email, or social media channels. Each share helps us reach listeners just like you who can benefit from our content. The Education in Isolation podcast is proud to be part of the Experts on Air podcast network.